crowd on day two, Frederick still remained an observer. But then that evening, a white man, who had heard him speak in New Bedford, urged him to say a few words. As Frederick faced the overwhelmingly white crowd of 500, his tongue was tied. There were shackles on his mind. I felt myself a slave. In a speech lost to history, he ultimately stopped stammering, trembling, found his voice, his way, his roar. With his entrancing baritone voice, he soared. When Frederick finished, William Lloyd Garrison sprang to his feet and led the crowd in an impromptu call and response. Garrison, have we been listening to a thing, a piece of property, or to a man? The crowd. A man! A man! Garrison. And should such a man be held a slave in a Republican and Christian land? The crowd. No, no! Never! Never! Garrison. Shall such a man ever be sent back to slavery from the soil of old Massachusetts? In his book, Acts of the Anti-Slavery Apostles, White Minister Parker Pillsbury said this is what happened next. Almost the whole assembly sprang with one accord to their feet, and the walls and the roof of the Anthenaeum seemed to shudder with the no, no. Frederick spoke again the next day, and before the convention was over, Mass invited him to join its roster of lecturers. What's more, with Mass's help, he soon moved into a cottage of his own in the small town of Lynn. This future shoe capital of the world was about ten miles north of downtown Boston, where the Liberator and Mass were headquartered at 25 Cornhill Street. A roll of thunder, a holy wonder, lion-like Frederick became Mass's most in-demand black speaker. In his mission to win souls to the sacred cause of ending slavery and to rouse converts to higher heights of activism, he delivered over a hundred speeches a year. New England was his main stomping ground, but Frederick also spoke in New York and Pennsylvania, and as far west as Indiana. Sometimes he journeyed solo, by train, by stagecoach, on horseback. At other times, with Garrison, Boston aristocrat Wendell Phillips, and other white abolitionists, as well as black ones, such as the freeborn Salem Dandy, Charles Ramond, a barber by trade. For a time, Frederick was Mass's only black speaker, born enslaved. This is an extraordinary man. He was cut out for a hero. N.P. Rogers a white abolitionist and newspaper man in Concord, New Hampshire. When addressing a crowd of twenty, fifty, hundreds in a barn or church, town hall or tavern, and often without notes, Frederick captivated audiences with accounts of cruelties suffered and seen. He tore to shreds southern propaganda that enslaved people were content and well cared for. He stressed 
that slavery degraded both the enslaved and the enslaver. He denounced churches that failed to support the sacred cause and damned those with slaveholders in their pulpits and pews. The idea of a Christian slaveholder was ludicrous, argued Frederick, who was by no means irreligious. He became a Christian as an adolescent, as a man, a lay preacher, at New Bedford's African Methodist Episcopal AME Zion Church. And this preacher man spoke just as eloquently, just as forcefully, on the undue burdens borne by free blacks in the North as he did on slavery. By and large, blacks in the North were limited to the lowest-paying jobs, the right to serve on a jury, the right to sue over being wronged. Generally, none of that was allowed.